0: flyweight champion
2: of the world.
1: This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 396 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week my man?
1: I'm doing good, my man. How about you?
2: Yeah, I can't really complain this week, Eddie. Um, obviously, as you know, I'm in Spain, so I'm recording this week's podcast from sunny Spain. Um, yes, it's it's a nice change of scenery, obviously, out here. And um, right. and yeah, you know, um, it's, it's a nice place. It's a nice place. Got the hot tub outside, which uh, is quite nice. I've been in that a couple of times. But um, yeah, can't complain, my man. How's things
1: with you? Everything's good. Doing good. Uh obviously working like crazy as usual, you know, getting, uh, getting as much done as I possibly can in the way of, you know, me getting in shape, as well as, uh, training people and, you know, doing those other things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working like, like a fool.
2: <laughs> Anyways, let's dive straight into the review part of the show, Eddie. Uh, I'm going to start here with a card that took place last Thursday at the Palais des Sports in France. This one took place, like I say, Thursday, May 11th. Um, I'm going to try and really fly through the review part of the show in particular this week. Um, Yeah, so this card over here, I mentioned it on last week's show. I said it's definitely gonna go the distance I felt Bastian ballester he was 25 and0 with a draw I think he only had about five kos hadn't really boxed anyone of note though to be honest he got in there with veteran Yvonne Mendy now 48 and six with a draw because Yvonne Mendy was able to win a split decision over 12 rounds for the IBF international super lightweight title that belt now belongs to Mendy um yeah there was you know there was decent odds on that happening to be totally honest with you like I said it was a big step up for ballester who'd been Quite protected, really. And Mendy, yeah, a wily old fox was able to pull it off. Split decision. Moving now to the Mayor Center or the Maher Center in Leicester, United Kingdom. This one over here, promoted by Mervyn Turner. A um, couple fights to mention on the card. Leon Woodstock now 13 and 3. A nice return to the ring for him. A knockout actually in round 3 against Louis Norman. Uh, Louis Norman. Now 14 and 11 with a draw. Norman down twice in round one and once in round three prior to being knocked out by a right hand. So that's quite a big win there for Leon Woodstock, even though Louis Norman, I'd say, is probably a few weight classes above where he should be these days. Um, CJ Challenger now 13-0, a points win over 8 against Ruben Angulo, now 8-5 and five with two draws. And friend of the show, Lerone Richards, now 17-0, a knockout for him, a rare knockout for him. Um, it was a fourth-round uh, uh, knockout against Harry Matthews, now 17-72 with six draws. Matthews down... Um, prior to being knocked out by a right hand. Um, again, you know, I don't want to go in on this too much, but what on earth is is LaRome Richards doing? Um, fantastic fighter, you know, can achieve massive things in the sport, but... I just don't understand what on earth is going on with this guy. Moving now to the York Hall in Bethnal Green over here. Good few fights to mention, actually. Um, a fighter, perhaps, to keep an eye on. Alois Yumbi, now 4-1. Um, and one. A big, big knockout for him. Heavy knockout for him in round three against Borna Gricic, who's now 3-3. Three three. Gricic's down in the first round. Um, but, yeah, like I say, that knockout in round three was definitely a massive one, you know. Not going to make it to short list of knockout of the year, but certainly one to mention. Um, Sean Noakes as well, five and zero TKO for him in the first round against Robin Zamora, who's now nineteen and twenty one. I thought that one had a chance of going a distance, but like I say, Sean Noakes quite quite um, difficult to predict if he's going to get a knockout win or a points win. So far in his career, seems to just surprise me all the time. Um, Michael Sosnitsky, or whatever his name is, the Polish fighter, now 7-0. and He was actually able to uh, to get Israel Dufus out of there, um, which is, I guess, a bit of a statement in comparison, because, you know, obviously in his last fight, Israel Dufus went the distance with Chev Clark, but Sosnitsky was able to get him out. He retired on his store at the end of round four. He didn't want to come out for round five. It was only a six-rounder. He was down in the fourth round, Dufus. So that's a bit of a statement win there for the poll, and it's quite funny because there's a lot of people that were actually betting on Doofus to win the fight to pull pull off the upset, but I wasn't one of those. one of those people. Uh, moving up the card once again, Ryan the Piranha Garner now 13-0. Quite happy for him as well to, to come back here with a knockout win in round two against Eduardo Valverde now 3-11 with a draw. Um, Valverde down twice from body shots prior to the stoppage. Good win there for Ryan Garner. Um, good win as well for Chris Bulk now... Twelve and one, a points win for him over six against Kevin Tranner. Now fifteen and four with two draws. Caraway Tama went the distance. This this again was one I could see coming. Um, you could just over triple your money for that one. He's now ten and one. I think the odds were nine to four. Yeah, points win. Quite an uneventful fight really until the last round when his opponent Khalid Gradier was down. Um, but, yeah, he didn't, he didn't get knocked out. He got back up and survived. He's now 10-10 and 10 with four draws. Karo Itama, not the comeback that I think people wanted to see. Um, Ellis Zorro, this was the main event. He's now 16-0. He was able to TKO in round seven, Jose Burton. It was a good fight while it lasted. Burton down prior to the stoppage. It was for the vacant WBO European Cruiserweight title. On the back of this... Um, Jose Burton, also obviously cousin of Tyson Fury, decided to retire from boxing. So all the best to him in retirement. Was a good fighter. I don't think he quite achieved what he perhaps could have achieved. Um, so yeah, I'm going to mark him down as a bit of an underachiever. Nice guy, a good fighter, but yeah, he's he's had a obviously really bad run in recent. Years and um, yeah, I'm happy that he's calling it a day now before he continues hanging around too long and perhaps, you know, being damaged um, in a way that cannot be reversed. But yeah, good win for Ellis Zorro. Like I say, I think he's passed a few really good stern tests now. I liked his fight last time against Dex Bellman. I liked this one against Jose Burton. I think he needs to be pushed um, in a good way. I think Ellis Zorro perhaps is certainly a name to be you know, thinking of as a top guy. I know that this one was at cruiserweight, which obviously isn't good for Jose Burton. I mean, he's a career light heavy. So I guess, you know, what was he really doing taking a fight like this up at cruiserweight when you think about it? But like I say, I think he, he kind of knew that he was towards the end of his career, and yeah, losing by stoppage, that's enough for him. But Zorro, yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on. And um and yeah, I think I think yeah, he should be moved quite cleverly. I don't know who he's with. I'm guessing he must be with Frank Warren now, but yeah. I want to see him in big fights. I think he's a good fighter. And also on the card, Ezekiel Moderna. We saw him last time out. Springing the upset, knocking out Carol Italma. He returned here back in the UK, but he this time was knocked out in round four by Willie Hutchinson, who's now 16 and one, and Ezekiel Moderna now 29 and 11. Moderna down in the second round, and once in the fourth prior to the stoppage, it was for the WBC international light heavyweight title. Really happy for friend of the show, Willie Hutchinson, who I think was probably lacking a bit of confidence since losing. Um, to Lennox Clark a couple years ago, hadn't really done anything since then, and he was fighting a very confident Argentinian fighter here, so I'm really pleased for him to get the knockout, straight after the fight he went ringside where Dan Aziz was sitting, he said he wants that fight, and it seems like they're going to perhaps get it on, it'll be a great one if we do get to see it, I think Willie Hutchinson, still very young, but obviously you know, he's tipped to do really big things in the sport, and it would be great to see him try and achieve those goals. Moving now to the Philippines at the Okada Manila Hotel and Casino. Over here we had um, a bit of a wild card fighter from Namibia. 12-1 and with 11 KOs, and the one loss he'd avenged as well by knockout. It was for the WBO Global Super Bantamweight title. Filipus um, Nungitambua, I think his name was the... The Namibian fighter. He went over there to the Philippines, boxed John Real Casimiro, former world champion. Um, Casimiro was able to eke out a unanimous decision in quite a close fight over 12 rounds. Casimiro now 33 and 4. Just a really strange fight there. But again, because it was for a WBO global title, I'm guessing that there's plans there in terms of how they're going to move Casimiro. Um, moving now to the Emperor's Palace in Kempton Park over here in South Africa, we saw. Kevin Lorena returned to the ring. Um, I think that's his first fight back after losing to Daniel Dubois, despite having Daniel Dubois in serious trouble in round one. Um, he's now twenty-nine and two, a unanimous decision, quite wide, I think, in the end, over twelve rounds against Riyad Mary, who's now thirty-one and two, bit of a protected record he had. Um And then, yeah, moving to the Stockton Arena in California, USA. This one was on ESPN, a top-ranked show. Let's fly through the undercard. Uh, son of Fernando Vargas, Amado Vargas, now 7-0. and Some people saying he's probably the worst of the sons of Fernando Vargas. But anyway, he was able to drop in round one, but beat by unanimous decision over four rounds. Bernardo Manzano, now 2-5. and five. Uh, Ruben Villa as well. I expected him to get a points win because he'd been quite inactive and was never really a big puncher or nothing. So I expected him to get a points win against Michael Villagrana. But no, he actually knocked him out in round five. It was a good performance from Ruben V. I think it kind of reminded a few people in his weight division that he is one to watch out for, for the people that were perhaps sleeping on him or perhaps had forgotten about him for a little while. He's now 20 and 1, a KO there in round five against Michael Villagrana, now 16 and 5. Um, what else? Brian Norman Jr. with a win, now 24 and 0. He was able to beat unanimously over. Um over eight rounds Jesus Campos now 24 and 5. Uh what else did we have? Uh Gabe Flores Jr. as well, now 22 and 2. A knockout for him in the very first round against Derek Murray, now 17 and 9 with a draw. I expected that one to go to distance actually, so I got that horribly wrong. It was a fantastic shot from Gabe Flores. Really big statement. I thought it was unbelievable. What a statement from him. Moving up the card once again, Zanebek, or Janebek Alimkanuli, now 14-0, as we expected, it was it was probably never going to go to distance, he got in there with Canada's Stephen Butler, who is a bit of a I'm going to knock you out or get knocked out type of guy, very entertaining, not much of a, of a great defence, but loves to throw, throw big shots himself. Um, Yeah, down three times in round two for the WBO world middleweight title and knocked out in that second round. Um, He was all over the place, to be honest with you. I think Jack reese I mean, he certainly gave him every opportunity to try and continue Stephen Butler, but it was a bit dangerous. I think if he would have took a massive, massive, massive shot, he could have been in serious trouble, and we'd be saying Jack Reese is a real villain in this fight. However, he was on such wobbly legs from the first knockdown that... Every single time he got hit with half a punch, he was going down because his legs were all over the place. It should have probably been stopped with the first knockdown. I couldn't believe that Jack Reese let him continue, then continue again after the second knockdown. And like I say, the third knockdown, like literally you could blow, you know, you could blow... You could, uh, but some wind blowing could have knocked him, could have knocked him over. You could blow, and he would have knocked, he, he would have, fell, he would have fell on the ground. Stephen Butler. So, yeah, I'm happy he didn't really take any big shots when he was in that condition. He was just literally falling over from the air of the punches from Elim kanuli really at that point. So, thankfully, he didn't take any big ones. But anyway, nonetheless, it shouldn't have carried on. But yeah, thankfully, he didn't get seriously injured. And then, yeah, Jason Maloney was able to achieve his childhood dream as well. Fantastic for him. A majority decision over 12 rounds. I think he was the rightful winner over Vincent. Astrolabio now 18-4. Jason Maloney now 26-2. The new WBO World Bantamweight Champion. Really, really happy for him. Like I say, really like his brother, Andrew. And we need to get Jason Maloney on the show sometime soon. So I will try and reach out to make that happen. But, yeah, 40 he boxed really well. Um... Quite a tidy fighter, just like Andrew, to be honest with you. Very, very similar styles, I think. And, um, yeah, I think he boxed to a smart game plan and won convincingly for me. I was quite surprised to see it was a majority. Uh, moving now to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Uh, we're coming down to the final two cards. This one took place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Over here we saw on the undercard, Rancy's Bartholomew with the majority decision over 10 rounds against Omar Juarez. Now 14-2. and Bartholomew now 30-2 with a draw. Um, it was a typical Bartholomew performance. He's a really good fighter, but he just is not very entertaining to watch. And that is what he did here. He just did his usual... And um, and dominated a young good fighter in Omar Juarez, and that's what he does. You know, he, he kind of he, he fights at his pace. He's very good at fighting at his pace. He's very good at controlling the distance. He's very good at controlling, like I say, the pace of the fight. And he gets in a groove, and uh, it, it frustrates a lot of fighters, and we saw it here happen again, so yeah, Rancis Barthelomew with a points win, no real surprise for me there. Um, elsewhere on the card, we saw Batir Akhmadov as well, he's now 9-3. and three. He lost to friend at a show. Kenny Sims Jr. now twenty and two with a draw. It was it was a twelve a twelve round majority decision for Kenny Sims Jr. It was a really really good fight as well. Like I say, I, I said it on last week's show. I think this one is like under the radar fight of the week type of fight. So um, I think it kind of lived up to that really. Kenny Sims though, I'm really pleased for him because he's been on quite a little good run now for the last few fights and. I think this is a name here in Akhmadov. He doesn't have the prettiest record now. He's only 9-3. It doesn't look fantastic. But he's a really good fighter. Way better than that record suggests. You know, I think he's a fringe world-level guy. And that's my opinion anyway. Um, and, and yeah, I think Kenny Sims has, has really made a statement by winning this fight. It was close. I think it was always going to be close. I expected it to go the distance as well, despite Akhmadov being a real big puncher. And, um, yeah, I just think that says a hell of a lot about Kenny Sims. Um, he probably did just nick it. It was super close. Really could have gone either way. But I'm over the moon for him being a friend of the show. And, yeah, forget about Akhmadov. Now move on to the bigger and better fights, my friend. Because, yeah, I think he he's earned it now. Um, and, yeah, it was unfortunate. And I'm, I'm I'm guessing you must have saw it, Eddie. Rolando Romero somehow 15 and one now a TKO, a very questionable one against Is- Ishmael Barroso, now 24 and four with two draws. It was for the WBA world super lightweight title, which was vacant. Boy, oh boy, controversy, Eddie.
1: Did you see it? Um, I saw some of it. I saw you know parts. I wasn't able to see every bit, but um, yeah. And I was talking to, you know, my brother Steve about it. And he was saying, man, if this guy loses to this 40-year-old guy, <laughs> and I'm not, you know, that's not to put, you know, throw any shade on him, but he's supposed to be a killer. He's supposed to, you know what I mean? He fought Tank and, you know, he, like, had Tank, you know, in, in some people's eyes on the run, you know what I'm saying? Before he got caught and stopped. So, you know, they're saying that he, you know, not a boogeyman or anything, but, you know, a dangerous fighter. And for him to be getting beat like this, you know what I mean? Pretty solidly, not, not saying that the guy was like miles ahead or whatever, but he's not supposed to be losing this fight. He's supposed to be in control. He's supposed to be dominating this fight and, you know, possibly knocking the guy out at any moment. And it just didn't look like that. Then on, then on top of that, when you see the stoppage, oh my God. And that the punches weren't even barely even hitting the guy and, you know, he might have been hurt from one of the punches or whatever. It might have been at least, you know, a little foggy from something. But was still about, you know, still had his wits and everything. You see what it, he was still together. And then for him to literally walk in, you know, step in and stop it. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's really wild. It makes it look bad. It makes him look, it makes like, it look, it, it mars the win. It takes from the win. You understand what I'm saying? And I just, you know, I, I, you can't be mad at it because of how the, how it looks, controversial stoppage and all. And the fact that he was actually probably down on the cards. I think oh, yeah. he was down on the cards. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I just so.
2: want to jump in and say, yeah, he was five rounds down on Steve Weisfield's oh, shit, card. Man. He was three oh, rounds God. on David Sutherland's card and one round on Tim Cheatham. So he was losing unanimously and was in a position really yeah. where he needed a knockout.
1: Right, exactly. And so it just, it just looks worse. It looks right I didn't know he was down that much at the time, but then I forgot, I, yeah, it had him pretty soundly beat. So, yeah, it just doesn't look good for him going forward. And, you know, at this point, where do you go from there? Even after a win, it's like, you know, you're planning almost like it was a loss. You know what I mean? But I'm pretty sure they're going to say, hey, look, we got the stoppage, regardless of what it meant and how he looked. You know what I mean? You got to get wins in, in, in the face of, uh, you know, sometimes bad performances and, And I guess they'll just go forward with that. Hopefully for them, it's good enough.
2: Yeah, horrendous performance from referee Tony Weeks. And I don't often say that. I think Tony Weeks is a really good referee. However, none of the punches that Rolando Romero threw at the end of that fight there landed. I mean, when you saw the replay, it was atrocious. Not to mention the fact that Barroso had put Rolando Romero down earlier on in the fight. And obviously, uh, Romero had put Barroso down as well. So they had a knockdown each. And he was in no danger at all, Barroso. And like I say, well ahead on the cards. And unbelievably, now we have a new world champion in Romero. You know, it's, it's just, it's quite sickening. And someone put a picture up of Badu Jack. I'm guessing when he fought Marcus Brown. When he had that horrendous cut in the middle of his forehead. And I think at the time... Badu Jack was a, was a, yeah he was he was living in Vegas at that time I'm pretty sure and for whatever reason I, I don't know you know I'm I'm not sure I don't want to get into the political side of things but Tony Weeks was the referee in that fight and didn't stop it you know um, both fighters are former Mayweather promotions fighters um, I don't know it just it it just it just did not look good Tony Weeks made a a real bad mistake there. And that, unfortunately, is has kind of become the, the boxing talk of the week. His his awful performance. Rolando Romero at the moment should not be a a world champion. And there should be a rematch ordered instantly here. And yeah, Barroso, I mean, it's his, it was his last chance, you know, to, to win a world title. And he was he was probably gonna win it. So uh yeah, just sickening, man. Sickening that this stuff happens in this sport. It's just week after week there's something, man, but there's nothing I can do or we can do, and we just have to swallow it, which is just BS. But, yeah, I'm devastated for Barroso because, like I say, he's that kind of fighter, you know, from from South America um, who who doesn't speak any English, doesn't have a big following, 40 years of age, no one cares. You know, if he gets robbed, who gives a crap, you know? We've got a new champion, Romero, American fighter. Talks a good game, really, you know, good, good salesman, if you like. So that's that's all that matters, you know. Who who cares about Barroso? And that's just the unfortunate, you know, side of boxing. But. Yeah, something needs to be done. Something needs to be done, and I hope it does get done for his sake. And moving now to the final card to mention, it took place at the Seagate Convent- Convention Center in Toledo, Ohio, USA. Friend of the show, Albert Bell, returned to the ring. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against William Encarnacion, who's now 20-5. Albert Bell now 23-0, and 0, like I say, unanimous over 10 for the WBO-NABO Super Featherweight title. That, though, is the end of the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated Super Featherweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show, my man.
0: Thanks for having me on, mate. I hope all is well.
2: Yep, all is well, my friend. So, Arch, we last spoke back in February at that time. Obviously, you were getting ready to fight on April 14th. That was a date rumoured you didn't have an opponent at that point. Um, Yeah, it did end up happening, April 14th at York Hall. You boxed Mauro Perouen. I was there. For those that didn't see it, though, just talk me through the fight. Obviously, unanimous decision over 10 against a tough guy.
0: Yeah, so, like I say, it was... uh, Originally, I think I was supposed to end up fighting Fonseca, but that all fell through a few... I think two weeks before the fight. Um, So... Obviously, this fellow come in, and uh, no, it was a good, it was a good performance, mate. To be honest with you, look, I had a couple of injuries uh, leading up to the fight that um, wasn't wasn't really known to anyone. It was just something that me and my team knew about, but we just got through it. Obviously, it's my first fight with Roy Jones Jr. Um, obviously, Richard and Ian Weaver. So, um, so no, overall, mate, it was it was a good performance, and I was pleased with the performance Roy and the team were as well. So, so yeah, we move on now.
2: And also it was your birthday. Was that weird fighting on your birthday arch?
0: Yeah, my birthday. Now, do you know what? It's uh I suppose now I'm getting older and I've got four kids, mate. It's all about them, innit? You kinda of forget about your own birthdays, <laughs> mate. So, uh so yeah, no, it was all good, mate. Look, it was it was a very busy time because like I say, my birthday, so it wasn't with the kids, um, leading up to it and also I just had a newborn the week before. So it was all very bit manic and a bit busy, everything was up in the air. So, uh but no, it all, it's all good, mate. It's all good. Now I've had, been able to enjoy the time with the family and uh, we we get ready to go again.
2: And just on your opponent, obviously we'd seen him stop by Dalton Smith. But yeah, he was a sturdy fighter. Um, a tough guy, obviously, like I say. Um, obviously, I guess he probably didn't have too much notice. But yeah, he was tough. Like you could see, he could definitely take a shot. Yeah, he was
0: tough. And he's, and the last, I think, two or three fights have been at 140, um, 140 plus. So he's obviously been in the ring with the bigger bigger lads. Um and like you say, the only one really to put him away in the bigger um lads were Dalton and nothing. That was in the last round or the seventh round. So he's obviously been in, in with good opposition. Um he was he was tough, he was a south he was definitely game. And I think now having Roy in my corner as well, mate, I've got a bigger target on my back. They seem to come out come out come out firing.
2: Yeah, and as you say, it was your first fight under Roy Jones. Um, I did joke with you after the fight and say that sometimes during the fight you look like Archie Sharp, sometimes you look like the white Roy Jones. Um, <laughs> you were a lot flashier <laughs> than I've seen you before. I mean, obviously a lot of showmanship, but then you, you box like that as an amateur though, Arch.
0: This is it. So everyone who knows me from the amateur days, and I won all these national titles and beat all these good kids, was, I was known for being Flash, I had the Babyface Assassin as the name, do you know what I mean? It was, that that was how I was. I had tussles from the age of like, well, seven or eight when I first had my pair, pair of shorts. So I was always known to be flashy, um, but it's kind of tamed over the years. But now having Roy, who kind, of, who obviously encourages encourages it, but obviously you got to get your work done. That's just in between. That's just enjoying it. And uh, so I was enjoying myself. I felt good. And and it just come out and then, and it come into play, but it's only going to get better. Do you know what I mean? So it was only like a a taste of what we've been working on and what we've been doing, and I'm looking forward to showcasing a lot more. And the better opposition you'll see, the better it comes out of myself.
2: Yeah, you know, I kept looking over to Roy, and he he, he looked you know really um, happy, and he was smiling and stuff when you were you know pulling off these moves. Um, is that? like a sign of what's to come in terms of, I know you, you speak about the smart work and obviously I've been down the gym, you, you let me come down there and I could see some of the things he was pointing out were just unbelievable, the things you know he sees. He's, he's got such a great boxing brain. But are we going to see this this flashy side come out more arch or was it just because of the occasion?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Like at the end of the day, it's just about me enjoying myself. When I'm enjoying myself and I'm in my own, my own rhythm and doing my own thing and not having people like in the past kind of tame me down like get behind you know like old school kind of textbook boxing like that's not me do you know what I mean I, and, I, and I've kind of let myself go a little bit by getting behind this I changed my style over the years but like I say I'm here with Roy um, we're working on other, obviously adding a lot to the game and also bringing my old self so I've got to kind of put it all into one um but yeah, I'm I'm, in, I'm I'm excited, mate. The first fight was to get out of the way. It was to get like I say, I picked up a, a bad injury two weeks before the fight, so I wasn't well, my left shoulder, so I wasn't actually in full works. No one knew um, it was all under the radar because I just wanted to get through and get the win, and obviously, thank God that we did. So, um, but yeah, so now that I'm injury free now, I've been I've had time to rest uh, for the last four weeks, so I'm back in the gym, and then me and Roy are working on. Now he's seen me boxing in person, like we can add now to what we what he wants me to do. So he's got me doing my revision, doing my my training that I'm going to be getting ready for next week. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I might even have a trip out to Vegas um, towards the end of the month as well because I know he's out of the review bank.
2: Lovely. And, yes, it's a month ago this week, obviously, from your fight. I wanted to ask what have you been up to since then? Um, you touched on it a little bit there, but also family time as well. What's it What's it been like with the new Mate, ball as well? Then,
0: Do you know what? It's been hectic because uh, unfortunately my younger two um, come downhill and so it's been really hard. But look, it's just family. I've been been able to enjoy the time with the family. But like I said, the last 10 days, kids have been unwell. But thankfully today is a a turnaround day. They're a lot better. So, um, but yeah, that's that's been me, mate. It's been back to reality, back to family life. Um, And yeah, just cracking on, mate. Just cracking on. Good
2: stuff, man. Good to hear that they're doing better. Um, I wanted to ask as well Arch what did you make of John Ryder's attempt um he obviously went to Mexico tried to beat Canelo um I'm guessing you saw it
0: Yeah I watched the fight mate I thought it was a good fight I thought he done very very well um very tough John. I've known like John for years uh, I've been down at the gym and trained alongside him um watching him spar and listen he's a very tough man and I thought he'd be I thought he'd do well like people rip him off and I thought he went out and done done very very made a good credit of himself Um, I thought I don't know about you but I thought the ring looked small but I suppose that's in favour of both of them Uh, but yeah no it was good mate I enjoyed it what about yourself enjoyed the fight
2: yeah yeah Uh, it was an 18 um, foot ring Um, yeah they tried to make it small Um, yeah you know in in round 5 when John got dropped I thought that's it the end's near so yeah he just got back up and obviously you know battled back and um, I said it on last week's show as well I said you know really and truly, the corner could have pulled him out. You know, he could have had the the little word in the corner in the ear on a sly one and said, look, you know, I've had enough. And it would have been perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable to have pulled him out. Um, But obviously, you know, he went went straight with it and, you know, tried to give it his all for the rest of the fight, didn't he? So credit to him.
0: Yeah, 100% credit to John. And uh, I think, like I say, towards the back end of the fight, I think he shocked a lot of people as well because... Canelo showed a few um, flaws there at towards the end of the f- at towards the end of the fight, and John come on strong, so um, he shocked a lot of people. I, I would have thought he gained a lot of fans as well.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he did, man. And yeah, credit to John. A uh, big, big fan of his as well. um Yeah, again, since we last spoke, Britain now has a new world champion at your weight, obviously a two-time champion. Joe Cordina, um, I know you watched it, beat Shavkats on Rakimov. How highly do you rate Cordina Arch? And Is that someone that you've got your eye on now as such, or are you just primarily focusing on the WBO route, which is totally fine considering you're still number one with those guys? Yeah, well,
0: look, Joe is definitely an opponent. Uh, definitely a fight I'm looking at as an opponent um, for later on, in later on, or in the near future. Um, obviously, he's he's a two-time old champion. He's got a belt now, so he's going to want to be looking to fight another fighters, Foster or Navarrete. Um, so, which going to happen? Well, I don't know. It could happen. Listen, I don't know. If I was Cordino and I've got belts, mate, I just want to be wanting to clear up and get more belts. I wouldn't want to be having fights where, unless people are bringing belts to the table. So that's what I'd be doing if I'm in his position. So I would have thought he'd be doing the same. And also, he's, he's a bit older than me as well. Do you know what I mean? So if he ain't got loads of time around him, so he's probably thinking, let me get a couple of belts, maybe move up. That's what I'd probably be looking if I was in his position. Um, but, yeah, he's a great fighter, Joey. I think he's, he's, he's a very clever fighter. Um, it's definitely a fighter I'm interested in open to. spoke to the team a couple of days ago about what my plans are moving forward. I definitely mentioned Joey's got a belt, obviously Foster, Navarrete. Um, these are all fights that I've been asking for. Uh, even mentioned about the John O'Carroll fight. There's, there's a few fights there that we've been talking about. Um, so hopefully we can make them happen. But the, uh, the Super Featherweight division is booming at the minute. And I'm just looking, mate. I'm just hungry to get out there. Obviously, Valdez is fighting Lopez now, um, which the whole reason why they topped me up with the Wilson thing was to make Navarrete and uh, Valdez. But for some reason, that's not going ahead now. So if Navarrete needs a dance partner, I'm here. But like you say, I'm working with. I'm against the top rank here and and the BO for some reason that the top ranked fighters they want it all their own way and they don't want to. They don't want other fighters from elsewhere to come in and pick the bell up, obviously, so that's where I'm at at a minute, Joey, just trying to trying to get these big fights, mate, trying to get these names.
2: Yeah, I remember when they made that um, Oscar Valdez fight, um, obviously he's rematching Adam Lopez, I remember actually, as soon as it was announced, I, I texted you, I think I was the first person to say it, I said, what the hell, we were like shocked, like what is going on, just makes no sense at all, um, but yeah, you're right, they, they obviously want to keep that belt in-house. And you tweeted out a few days ago, Arch, that there's news, big news coming real soon. What can you tell us? Yeah,
0: so I've been in talks with the team. We're looking at what options we've got. Um, we've got a couple of options there on the table. It's just about going back and negotiating now and seeing where we are. But either way, the fights that I'm looking at next have to be big because that's what I want, the big fights. And what um, we've got on the cards is, yeah, it's going to be big news. And like I say, um Having Roy there, Roy's playing a big part of a few things. So um, hopefully, mate, the news will be here very, very soon and everyone will know.
2: And I'm guessing, I don't want to prod too hard, but I'm guessing that's you know either a big name or perhaps a title.
0: Well, ideally, a well, world title shot. I'm like number one in the WBO. he hasn't got a dance partner. So that is it's, it's, it's madness, mate, because I'm there, should be fighting Navarrete next. That is what I will be pushing for. And I will be asking the WBO many questions, asking why I'm not mandatory yet. Who do I need to fight to be mandatory? Because um, you've got Albert Bell there. That could be a potential fire as well. Um, even though, I've, like I said, I'm number one, I should be ch- jump straight into fighting Navarrete. Um And then, yeah, we'll see what else. Like I say, I'm ranked in the BC now, so I might have to fight someone, obviously, higher ranked in the BC to to climb up a little bit more. So yeah, we're looking at options, big options. And, um yeah world well title facts mate by the end of the year 100% we've got Foster there there's some big names
2: excellent man I cannot wait to hear the news when it's official Arch and just finally before we let you go if you've got any closing words just to the listeners um, yeah say whatever you like before we let you go my man
0: Yeah, just as always mate thank you for the support um, and everyone should keep supporting your channel as well because you, you know what I mean you always got great content out there every week um, and I enjoy listening to it myself and like I say, thanks to everyone else and uh, stay tuned because there's some more news coming. I've had an inactive year uh, and a couple of years, but it's all pushing on now. So it's all it's all, kind it's of all good timing.
2: Good to hear it, my man. It's all about the timing. And um, yeah, cannot wait for this announcement. Still a lot of 2023 left to enjoy. Cannot wait. But listen, Archie, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Thanks for your time. And we'll speak again soon enough when the news drops.
0: Uh, you too, my friend. Thank you very much.
2: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show, this part usually the news part of the show, no news to report, so we're going to move straight on to the preview part, we're going to start here in Dublin, Ireland, and that's an an absolutely awful Irish accent, I think. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the people say that listen to that. Um, anyway, on the undercard, we're going to see Thomas Carty, 5-0. and I think he's got four KOs. Gets in there with the very tough Jay McFarlane, who's 14-7. and Never in good shape, but a real tough guy. Only been stopped once in seven, though. So I'm expecting Carty to win this one on points. You can double your money on that one there. It's for the Boxing Union of Ireland Celtic heavyweight title. Um, elsewhere on the card, we're going to see kivan Aguiarco 12-0 getting there with Grant Dennis, who's 18-4. I'm expecting Aguiarco to win this and probably look quite good doing so. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to stop Grant Dennis or what, but yeah, I think he wins that one quite, quite, uh, quite, you know, comfortably. Um, elsewhere on the card as well, one fighter that I want to touch on obviously is a friend of the show. Now I was going to say. Um, I want to get him on, but I forgot we actually had him on a few weeks ago. Gary Cully, 16-0, unbelievable fighter at the moment. He's just blind for everyone. I think he's put together, what, about five KOs in a row. Gets in gets in there with Jose Felix. I know that he was rumored to fight Jorge Linares on this card. That, for whatever reason, didn't happen. Gets in with Jose Felix, 39-6 and with a draw. You're going to say, whoa, what a crazy record. But again a bit of an inflated record you look through his record hasn't really beaten anyone of any of any you know validity to be honest in, in in his entire 39 wins you know he went through the first 20 odd fights in his career literally boxing people who had records like you know 2 and 4 6 and 16 3 and 11 8 and 9 you know 6 and 13 0 and 4 people like that But his losses have have, have come to fighters that we have heard of. He got knocked out in in three rounds back in 2018 by Isaac Cruz. Uh, He lost unanimously two fights ago to Tyrone McKenna. And he lost unanimously in his last fight to Spain's Sandor Martín. So, yeah, hasn't won a fight since April 2021. He beat a guy who was 30-21. and The win before that, he beat a guy who was 22-17. And And then, yeah, that goes back to the Isaac Cruz knockout loss. The win before that was against a guy who was 4-4. and I think you're probably getting the picture here. Um, Yeah, so I'm expecting Gary Cully to not have too many problems against Jose Felix. Um, He's only been stopped twice, though, in his six losses. So let's see if Gary Cully can do something there. Uh, moving up the card once again, we're going to see this is a really good fight, actually. I think this is a fantastic fight. Terry Harper, um, her record these days, 13-1 and one with a draw. I've said it so many times, she looks unbelievable up at 154. It's for the WBA World Super Welterweight title. Um, Obviously, absolutely mad to think that she was once upon a time a super featherweight. And, you know, she has moved up several weight classes and looks the picture of fitness. She looks absolutely perfect, super strong. But, yeah, she, she's in a real step up here against Cecilia Brackhouse, who's 37-2, and two, former pound-for-pound for pound number one female fighter in the world. Her two losses were close losses on points to Jessica McCaskill. Um, particularly the first fight that was really close, the second one not so much. But yeah, um, you know, she's only lost to McCaskill, who's got a completely different style to Terry Harper. And I would not write Brackhouse off in this fight. She's about a 3-1, to one, maybe 4-1 to one underdog. I think that's well worth a punt there. And yeah, if she's to win, she's to win on points as well, so that's even better odds. But yeah, I, I, I would not count Brackhouse out. Um, should be a good fight, though, against Terry Harper. Um, moving up the card, Dennis Hogan as well, 31-4 and 4 with a draw. Looked quite good last time out, beating Sam Egginton. Um, he got his tactics spot on against Sam Egginton, really. Just decided not to stand in the pocket with him. He decided to move around the ring, use his feet, and he looked quite good. Um, he's a big underdog, though, here for the IBO World Super Worldweight title against James Metcalf, 24-2. Um, Metcalf you know it's a strange one with him as well really you know had a fantastic fight with Ted Cheeseman a few years ago even though he got stopped come back lost to Kieran Conway but he's put together three wins in a row Um, he looked good By the way, beating Kerman Lejaraga. he was like the only Brit or the first Brit to beat Kerman Leharaga, I think, after Leharaga had beaten so many of our guys, Bradley Skeet, Frankie Gavin, Tyrone Nurse, Jack Flatley, Jez Smith, he was going for all these Brits and James Metcalf was, was the guy to tough it out and beat him and he looked really, really good that night in Spain. And then after that, he come back against America's Courtney Pennington, who wasn't really that good, but I didn't expect him to stop him, and he did. So he's he's in really, really good form. He gets in with Dennis Hogan, and like I say, he's the big favorite. Um, he's a tough guy, James Metcalf. It's going to be a good fight. I think that one will probably go to distance. Um, not entirely sure which way it could go. I think probably would I'd probably edge Metcalf, maybe. And then, yeah, the main event, what a superb fight. I don't want to go, go, go too long speaking about it, but yeah, it's for the... Undisputed super lightweight titles, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO, IBO as well, uh, 10 two-minute rounds, Chantel Cameron, the undisputed champion, the undefeated champion, 17-0 like I say, um, it's up at her weight, Katie Taylor moves up here to 140, 22-0, obviously undisputed champion at 135, it's a mega fight, it's a fantastic fight, it's a fight we never thought we'd see, this is really Ireland's best female and Britain's best female getting in with each other here and um, Yeah, it's just a magnificent fight Like I say a lot of people felt it wouldn't happen a lot of people very early on Identified Chantel Cameron as probably what we thought would be Katie Taylor's toughest test in her career You know, she's obviously a bit older Katie Taylor than Chantelle Cameron So we thought out of the people that's available to her. This will be the toughest test And for that reason, people have wanted it for years and years, and we're finally getting it. So I'm so over the moon for Chantelle Cameron. Um, It's definitely a winnable fight for her. At one point in her career, I thought she'd knock Katie Taylor out. I was really confident of it, but I think Chantelle Cameron um, has kind of slowed down a little bit in terms of getting her knockouts. And also, Katie Taylor has impressed me of late, where she had a few fights she didn't look great in, but that Amanda, Amanda Serrano win... I think she was excellent that night there. But um, we're going to see how good she is against Chantel Cameron, who's the naturally bigger fighter. It's going to be a brilliant fight. And I'm not ashamed to say it. This female fight has got me, you know, by the the nuts, really. I cannot wait to get back from my holiday to watch this fight. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Moving out now stateside to the final real kind of main fight to mention, or card to mention. Let's start over here. It's at the MGM Grand Las Vegas, Nevada. It's going to be live on ESPN+. On the undercard, Nico Ali Walsh, 8-0. and He gets in with Danny Rosenberger, who's 13-9 and with four draws. We've got... The other son of Fernando Vargas, Emiliano Vargas, 4-0. He gets in with Rafael Jasso, who's 3-0. That's over four rounds there. We've got Oscar Valdez, friend of the show, former world champion, 30-1. He returns to the ring in a 10-rounder against former opponent of his. It's a rematch with Adam Lopez, who's 16-4. It's a rematch nobody wanted to see at all. Absolutely pointless. I just do not understand what this is about. Um, I'm guessing... You know, Oscar Valdez obviously we knew was being maneuvered into the fight with Navarrete, had to pull out through injury. Navarrete got in there with, um, oh God, with uh, the guy from Australia, I forgot his name right now. And Valdez was obviously pushed to the side because he was injured. And I'm guessing that they've just given him, you know, like a keep busy fight to kind of have this, win it, and then go in with with Navarrete next. I'm guessing that's the plan. I don't really think it makes much sense. But yeah, they they boxed back in twenty nineteen, just before Covid. Valdez was actually put down in round two and um, and Lopez was down in round seven. But it wasn't a fine performance at all from uh, from Oscar Valdez. So yeah, don't see the point in this rematch at all. I don't want to see it. Um, elsewhere on the card again, this one I think is really interesting. Um Raymond Muratala, 17 and 0 he's the guy that's obviously the A side, you know, tip for big things. He was down in his last fight, I think in the first round. He gets in with Namibia's Jeremiah Nakafila who's 23 and 2. It's over 10 rounds. Nakafila very confident going in. Obviously his two losses one was really controversial I think in Russia. And the second one was to Shakur Stevenson. He looked awful that night. And some people felt he got exposed. That's going to be the end of him. He's going to go back to Namibia and that's going to be it. But he came back, obviously. went back to Vegas. And, you know, absolutely beat the hell out of Miguel Burchell in in a massive, massive upset. And, yeah, you know, that is, I think, the last fight that Nakafila had. And he actually got Burchell out of there, which I think was a mega statement so um, really, really happy for him. It's it's been uh, fourteen months since that win against Bushel. but he's back once again in Vegas. He loves going out there, and yeah, he he really thinks you know I'm gonna beat this guy, and I don't blame him. I think he's well worth a punt as an underdog. He is the underdog with the bookies, and yeah, I think he, he punches you know probably harder than than uh, Muratello's last opponent um so yeah i think he's got a good chance of getting a stoppage i think he's got a good chance perhaps of winning on points it's just worth a small punt i think there um elsewhere on the card as well we're going to see junto nakatani move from flyweight up to super flyweight he's 24 and 0 he was a champion at flyweight he gets in with andrew maloney friend of the show former world champion now 25 and 2 it's for the wbo world super flyweight title which is vacant Maloney wants, of course, to do what his brother did last week, his twin brother, Jason. He wants to be 26-2, and two, so they've both got the same record. And, of course, more importantly than that, he wants to become a world champion as well. He's already been a champion before, but he wants to be a reigning champion at the same time as his brother. All the best to him. It's going to be a tough task. He's the rightful underdog. Um, I've got a feeling that this will go the distance, despite... Again, you can make some money on that. I think they're expecting a knockout here for Nakatani. All the best to Andrew Maloney. I'd love to see him pull it off. I think he'll be confident. I think, as he said to me when we had him on a week or two ago, he said he's known about Nakatani for a long, long time. I think he's put together a good game plan, and I think he's feeling really, really confident in himself at the moment. And and being ringside as well to see his brother win last week, I think would have lifted him up and given him that extra push. Um and, yeah, the main event, Eddie, I'm going to come to you straight away. Vasyl Lomachenko, 17-2, gets in with Devin Haney, 29-0. It's, of course, for Haney's all of his world titles. It's for the undisputed titles, IBF, WBA, WBC, WBO. Um, world lightweight titles. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm going to fry it straight to you, Eddie.
1: Great fight, but I still say that I want to see. Is, is what To me, it's what Lomachenko has left, <clears throat> I don't I don't think he's shot or anything. I don't think he showed any real, you know, DK in his uh, you know, ability to fight or anything like that necessarily. But um, you know, when we were talking about him, you know, some years ago, we would say like, man, you know, thinking of, you know, the Haney and Lomachenko matchup, that would be a real that's a great one. It's interesting and all. But then, you know, the injuries, then you know, that, that situation in Ukraine where he went and, Fighting alongside guys, you know, back there, and it just kind of, you know, when he came back, <clears throat> didn't seem one hundred percent, you know, himself. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's a work in progress. Obviously, you know, especially if he, when, when he had the uh, surgery and all. And Andre Ward, I think, spoke about that surgery and said it's just not really an easy surgery to recover from. It takes a little time, so you know, you excuse him for that, but then the age is now a factor and different things like that still creep up. And Devin Haney now high level of confidence. He's, you know, undisputed right now. He feels he deserves that, that, that moniker is being, you know, top dog. Um, so, Hey, um, right now it, it, it's, it's still an interesting fight. It's, it's a, you know, it's one of those ones you really want to see. And one of the ones I'm really excited for. But I think it all it all depends on what Lomachenko's, you know, capable of at this point in his career. Um, and I think um, I, I still think he's, you know, I think he still think he's great. I still think he's Lomachenko, but he's gonna have to prove it against Hayne. He's gonna have to really do some work, and it's not gonna be easy.
2: Are we both agreeing that it's probably gonna go to distance, Eddie? Don't really see a KO.
1: Nah, n- nah, no KO. No KO. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, if if anything. You know, the KO probably lie more with uh, Lomachenko than Haney. And I'm not saying that Haney doesn't punch hard or anything like that. He doesn't have the ability to hurt a guy. I just don't see it happening with with Lomachenko. I think Lomachenko is really, really, uh, really, really you know, great defensively. Um, extremely smart fighter. His download of information is, I think his download speed is a little faster than most guys. <laughs> are a lot faster than most guys, uh, even at the elite level. So, um, the you know, knockouts and stuff like that can happen, but I think it would have to be with a more explosive fighter than Haney in front of him. I think the danger that Haney poses is, you know, is an extremely, uh, uh, you know, good range, you know, boxer at range, got a size advantage there, you know, maybe overwhelm him in, as far as, um, you know, with that is, and, and boxing skill. But I don't think, and I think that's where you know it, it kind of gives you the, the vibe that Lomachenko can still win, because you know Lomachenko is one of the best boxers we have in the sport. Um, it's just you know at this point his age, you know what I mean, and you know his, his recent history uh, is a little bit less than what we would expect from him. But <clears throat> that doesn't mean he's gone. So like I said, we'll see. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's gonna be a knockout in this one.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. I mean, like I say, Vassil Lomachenko, I think he's being judged quite heavily on on his most recent performance to Jermaine Ortiz, where Jermaine Ortiz gave him a really good fight. And a lot of people didn't really know who Jermaine Ortiz was. He had no profile at all. Could it have just been, though, that Jermaine Ortiz is a lot better than people thought he was because no one really heard of him? I think a lot of people in the game knew how good Ortiz was, and some people were cleverly picking him to beat Lomachenko, which was mad. But obviously he didn't, but he gave him a really good fight. And a lot of people are thinking because of that, Lomachenko's now all of a sudden passed it, you know. Obviously, in his in his loss to Teofimo Lopez, I think people read into that too far. I think he was really weary of, um, of of Teofimo Lopez's power, and that's power that Devin Haney we know doesn't possess. And obviously as well, people need to remember about Devin Haney being really tight at the weight, which is evident to see. I think it's going to be a really interesting fight. And I think the late rounds for Lomachenko is, is going to be where he has a lot of success. But the early rounds are also rounds that nobody can afford to give away. Particularly Devin Haney, I think. So I think it's going to be a really good fight. It's going to be more of a chess match, I think. And um, I don't really see a knockout for either guy. But yeah, I do agree. Lomachenko, uh, probably the most likely to get it. Lomachenko, by the way, is a 2-1 to underdog. So you bet on that. And yeah, you 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 get back triple your stake or what's that? double your stake plus your stake returned, isn't it? So two to one. I think that is mad. We're never gonna see Lomachenko as a two to one underdog, uh, probably ever again. And this is the first time that's ever happened. So yeah, cannot wait to see it. Really good fight, really pleased it's happening. And I think it's gonna be live on Sky Sports, if I'm not mistaken. So I cannot wait again to get home and watch that one. Should be a great night of fights on Saturday night. And yeah, Devin Haney's a friend of the show, I usually ride with friends of the show, so all the best to him as well. And yeah, moving now to the final card to mention, it takes place at the Margaret Court Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, over here. Two fights to mention, Nikita Su, the brother of um, Tim Su, he's 5-0, he's in a six-rounder against Benjamin Bomber, who's 5-0 as well, somebody's 0 must go. And then the main event, I'm going to be real brief on it, is for the vacant Commonwealth heavyweight title. We're going to see friend of the show, former world champion Joseph Parker, these days 31 and 3. I'm not entirely sure of what his promotional agreement is. I don't know if he's left boxer or what, but he looked quite bad last time against Jack Massey. He gets in with 15 3 and 2, Fager Apelu, who's got 11 KOs. He's also, um, you know, from, from, you know, he's got Samoan blood. And yeah, we saw him get knocked out most recently in his last loss to Lucas Brown in round 7. He lost to Justice Hooney in round 7 as well. Um, I'm expecting Joseph Parker to beat him with relative ease. But again, it's a fight that doesn't make much sense. It's a backward step for Parker. He didn't look great last time, like I say. I think he needs to move on. And if he's going to get one last run, um, I say one last run, he's only 31 years of age, but... This is a backward step. He's gone back home. He's gone back to a meaningless fight. And I just don't understand what he gets for fight. You know, what's the point of winning the Commonwealth title? You've been a world champion. What are you doing? I don't get it. But all the best to him. Lovely guy. We, we, We both like Joe a lot. But anyway, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest. And then in part two, there was no news to mention. Then we did the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 396 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the undefeated super featherweight contender, Mr. Archie Sharp. The biggest thanks of all though goes out to you, the listeners. There has been just one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show, and it's that Fraser Clark. Um, he does have an opponent, obviously it's not going to be Fabio Waldley, but he has an opponent announced for June the 16th, that's going to be in London, um, and yeah, he gets in with former world title challenger Marius Wack, um, yeah, it's, it, you know it, it's a step in the right direction I guess, it's going to be at York Hall, which is a bit of a crazy one, but yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a step up really from recent type of opponents I guess for him. Um, And yeah, I I think it will go a few rounds, but this is the kind of opposition that we need to see him in with. He does need to be fast-tracked, but yeah, Wack obviously is at the tail end of his career now, coming off three defeats in a row, including four of his last five. But yeah, all the best there to Fraser Clark. That's about everything, though, from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.